human, this is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com. I'm an evolutionary astrologer and a channel and an energy worker and sometimes a medium. And um, I combine all those things to help you evolve. Uh, at tdjacobs.com, there's a ton of channeled audio, astrology courses, and one-off audio. Uh, heck, healing courses, 16 channeled or written books, and energetically programmed crystals to interrupt your old patterns and help you change. So... I'm doing a karmic profile and also kind of a check-in, a transit check-in, so to speak, a little bit, of a John Mayer. And he is a, a, apparently a musician, and I've definitely heard his song in the supermarket, that one song from years ago. Anyway, he's very popular. I, I typically don't do profiles of people I know uh, nothing to little about, but uh, my girlfriend was telling me about uh, this article, which is in the uh, New York Times, I guess... Uh, a couple with three or four weeks ago, uh, John Mayer knows he messed up. He wants another chance. And we can go look that up. And it talks about how he was kind of um, secluded after a while, after some uh, racy, raunchy, potentially, you know, you might think inappropriate comments in a in a couple of interviews in 2010. And anyway, so I just, uh, but it's really obvious. Uh, how do you say this? The... Um, you know when uh, you're studying astrology and you see something and you you know you read about something in a few different sources, and then a week later somebody with that placement says to you blah blah blah, and you say oh my god astrology really works. Um, this is just so <laughs> it's so obvious that it was important to describe. And there are kind of two layers of this. Uh, one is the stuff I specialize in, uh, the karmic story or the indicators in the chart that reveal what the soul is having the human learn in a bunch of different lives and where that uh, person may be in that learning journey. That's the first level, and that's you know what I do quite a lot of, and you hear when I do karmic analyses, you hear that. Uh, Pluto, the south node of the moon, and the south node ruler by sign. That's level one. Level two is some transits that were happening uh, around the time of the release of those interviews. I don't know when the interviews were done. But in early February of 2010, February 10th of 2010, several articles were published that the new uh, Playboy magazine that's out in March, you know, you know, the, the March issue, which obviously was released in February, has this interview and it's quoting. So I'm using February 10th as the date of the transits. So that's kind of level two. Hopefully this doesn't turn into a three-hour analysis. Uh, I kind of have a lot to do today. <laughs> but, but it's going to get interesting because there's so many different things to share with you about how to understand the kind of life experience this guy has gone through. So the idea is he says these things. He talks about um, his genitals. He talks about women he's dated and how awesome it was to expletive them. And he talks about all these different things that would be really offensive. Then he kind of goes under the radar. And I think he does several albums in those years. But he basically he, he moves to the wilderness and is kind of lives a quieter life. And is kind of like retooling, doing a lot of, I don't know if it's therapy with professionals or with himself. But I'll talk about, you know, this whole story. And then he comes back and now he has a new album. He's promoting it. And um, he's saying, look, I'm ready to come back and be, you know, my, my phrasing is part of the world again after this like ridiculous phase that I was in or this difficult phase or whatever. So I just want to talk about some of that. So let me give you his birth data. October 16th, 1977, 5.26 a.m. in Bridgeport, Connecticut in the U.S. And um, yeah, so let's do level one, the kind of thing that looks a little abstract, but it really sets the tone it sets the stage for you to understand why he's wired the way he is and why during certain times of life, certain things would be triggered. Um, uh, oh, by the way, the I'm teaching the basics of this approach called, I call it at this point, evolutionary astrology basics. And uh, I'm going to teach that um, the, the, the class that starts this Saturday, April 22nd is full, uh, but keep an eye out for another uh, section starting in June. I don't have dates yet, but just, you know, within a few months, I'll be doing another one. So you can keep your eye on that. We're going to go really in depth into soul and the multi-life journey, what is karma, and then really explore the basics. So you really have them drilled into your mind. Um, Pluto, South Node, South Node ruler by sign and North Node. Okay, so let's talk about this dude's uh, Pluto. Pluto in Libra, in the first house. 
says that uh, in the first house, um, he's going to stand out. He's going to appear to be a powerful personality or a strong-willed personality. Um, people with Pluto in the first often have to prove something about themselves. So sometimes they're very competitive. Sometimes they're afraid of being bullied, so they bully. Uh, sometimes they just walk into a room and everyone notices them and they have to deal with getting attention one way or the other. Sometimes Pluto in the first people are singled out for being Pluto. Any planet you have in the first house, this is true for every one of you in any ch in any chart, uh, you're carrying that energy unselfconsciously. You just are that energy. You know, you think about the rising sign holding, you know, what impressions you make on people when you first meet them, that first impression idea. Well, planted in the first house, you were similarly unselfconsciously or unawares uh, about carrying it. So, Pluto and the first people carry Pluto energy. They become essentially symbols for Pluto for other people. Now, Pluto in Libra wants to be nice. So he may actually, at different times in his life, been seen by some as um, self-centered, Pluto in the first. He might be seen by other people, you know, the same week as uh, generous and kind and and even a little uh, humble or self-effacing. Uh, he might be seen as, um, you know, a good boy. Alternately, when he says something that's really true, he might be seen as a bad boy. There's all these contradictions with Libra in the first house. The idea with Pluto in the first house is I have to stand out. I have to go my own way. I have to be truthful about who I am. I have to know my depths. I have to know of what I'm capable. And I have to know what uh, makes me tick. And I have to be that without apology. Pluto, people with Pluto in the first, their souls say, all right, you got to make some waves. Show up, bring Pluto, and uh, you know, ultimately deal with the reactions of others. But you might not know that you're carrying Pluto until other people say to you, I don't trust you, or I wish you were in charge of this project, or what are you really thinking, or what are you hiding? Right? Why are you keeping secrets when you might not actually be? People reflect to you Plutonian stuff and you say, oh, I guess that's, I mean, everybody's saying that to me. I, I guess that's who I am, question mark. So Pluto in Libra is trying to create balance out of all of this. And Pluto in Libra people typically are thrust into situations where peace is not present. And they have to work to create peace. They have to figure out how to smooth things out how to be a diplomat. Now, obviously, he's got a strong creative streak, and Pluto in Libra is a lot about creativity, too. And uh, some other things in the chart uh, we'll get to uh, describe that as well. I mean, every human is creative, without without question, without fail. Uh, but some of us have an emphasized need to express something. So Pluto in Libra, trying to find balance. Also, trying to learn through relationship through receiving reflections from others about who you are. As I talked about the first house Pluto showing up carrying Pluto, being a symbol of it for others, then this idea of Libra receiving reflections from others, this is a, this is a huge deal. So people are going to say to him, um, cultivate that talent. And he's going to say, well, thanks for the encouragement. And they're going to say, um, look, I know you're really into this uh, Japanese calligraphy, but I think you're a singer, songwriter, guitar player, awesome, right? And he goes, oh, well, that's cool. I'll check that out. So in some ways, it's positive. It can be great uh, to receive praise, encouragement, recognition of your talents and gifts. And Pluto is passion. So if people can see what he's passionate about. They might really encourage and support him in certain ways. But it's also uh, the first house reflection in terms of um, why are you lying to me? And if that happens enough, and you're not lying, if that happens enough to you because you are inadvertently triggering somebody else's suspicion problems, somebody else has trust issues, put on the first house person shows up, you're, you know, you're carrying the potential to trigger that. If enough people say to you, why are you lying, that'll affect you. If enough people say to you, you are the greatest person who ever lived, well, that'll affect you too. And if enough people say to you, drop the guitar, take up skiing, just shut your mouth, please. That'll affect you too. So realize that the Pluto and Libra, part of the problem, and this is all the births from, you know, like parts of 71, 72, up until early 1984. So it's a lot of people uh, may have a karmic tendency 
well, many of them do have a karmic tendency, but any of them may, to listen too much to the opinions of other people. So here we have, I need to assert myself, I need to express myself, I need to know exactly who I am and tell the truth, I need to get to know my shadow, Pluto keyword, and I need to be it. But then I have to deal with how others respond. This is the core of his karmic journey. Pluto's conjunct Vesta, so whatever Libran thing that he feels he has to do, this first house mission, a uh, sense of uh, it's falling on my shoulders, I have to do it. Vesta is about devotion, and you would never do it halfway. So if it's creativity, you know, the need to be devoted and the need to full bore throw yourself into this passionate creativity is there. If it's social justice, if it's fairness and equality, if it's fighting social justice for underdogs, if it's, um, you know, if it's uh, making the world a better place in some way, he would need to throw himself wholeheartedly into it and, and essentially appear to be consumed by it, but it means really owning this passion and going for it. Pluto's also conjunct Mercury and Sun, also in Libra. And so this is about communication and having a voice, Mercury. It's about learning and speaking what you want to say, what you want to learn and speak. It's about thinking your own thoughts, and it's about speaking up. Uh, and Sun is about creativity. So Pluto conjunct Sun is another thing we're looking at here. And with uh, with these aspects, I'll use about eight degrees. And it looks like, um, I guess it's about eight and a half, but, but I'm going to tie them together specifically because the North Node is between them. Uh, and I'll talk about that uh, in a few minutes, but which actually changes this whole story. So Pluto, Mercury, Sun, I have to make some noise in some way. He has a karmic need to do this. Now, this is all mod, you know, changed because these planets are conjunct the North Node. All four of these actually, plus the asteroid Pallas Athene at 24 Libra. I count 10 degrees with the nodes. That's how all these get wrapped up in here. Where uh, the Vesta is about 8 degrees, you know, 7 to 15 Libra with the node, and then the, you know, 9 degrees away from the node is Pallas, but I wrap them all together. So con planets conjunct one's North Node describe realities in various lifetimes where you've never been shown healthy models of how to do these energies. So, so Sun Pluto, how do I deal with my shadow? How do I express who I am? How do I tell the truth? Uh, Pluto Mercury, how do I um, express curiosity and ask the right questions? How do I be okay with piquing other people's, um, you know, ruffling their feathers if I tell the truth too much and they're uncomfortable? Uh, you know, Pallas Athene with Sun, how do I stand up for what matters to me? How do I fight for a cause that matters to me? In this case, the first house, do I get to steer the ship in my own life? Do I get to create my life the way I want it to be? So all these things are wrapped up. Pluto Vesta, conjunct the North Node. Let's kind of throw a phrase in here. Uh, do I have the right to be devoted to my own self? Do I have the right to be devoted to cultivating my voice, my vision, what I have to say? Do I? Can I follow my own passions? Do I have the right to put myself first? Now, all of that gets... Um, contextualize when we look at the south node of the moon in the seventh house. I typically do Pluto, then the south node, and then move on, but but because Pluto's on the north node, I wanted to paint that picture of what it means, and then what it means that it's conjunct the north node. So let's just shift gears back to the second step of the story, which is the south node of the moon, and it's the kind of family environments your soul plops you down into in a bunch of lives, because uh, the, the soul knows that you as a human baby will be helpless and clueless, and so agreements are made between souls, and all these agreements are based in love, to provide different kinds of karmic incubators for you, to train you how to be a person, because you're helpless and clueless, you don't know. So Southland in the Seventh says, I'm defined by my relationships. I'm defined in many lives by the expectations that others have of me. My entire family, in fact, is defined by these expectations that others have of them and of each other. So people with South Node in the 7th house in Aries are often not defining who they are till they break away from family and everything they know. So um, it's easy for him to listen to others way too much. Pluto in Libra says that, but also the South Node in the 7th. And in Aries, sometimes you have to rescue people. Sometimes you have to be on guard because of their tension or anger or rage or stress or problems. 
Sometimes you have to rescue them or put out fires all the time. Sometimes you can't ever sit still. It's a great, um, you know, it's a great signature for somebody who instinctively saves others, right? Or somebody who takes a lot of knowledge into a situation and improvises, like a paramedic, an EMT, right? A fireman, some other kind of a, you know, a trauma triage nurse or something. It's a great signature for responding to others quickly and being dependable because you're good in a crisis. But then you have all this stuff in the first house. Do I get, the question hangs in the air for him. Do I get to live my life the way I want? Do I get to express myself fully? Pluto, Sun, North Node. Do I get to express myself? Uh, Eris, the dwarf planet Eris, is two, a degree and a half away from the South Node in the seventh. And that means that I just finished doing an Eris teaching in the Year of Astrology um, uh, group for Astrology Hub. And uh, so lots of questions and answers about Eris the last uh, the last week or so. Um, so I, this is fresh on my mind. Um, Eris is about um, competition, strife, discord. So basically strife and discord that inspire competition. I look at this psychological, spiritual, like emotional um, response, this uh, process, this archetypal process we go through when our raw nerves are exposed by others. And um, what ultimately happens is, what ultimately happens is, if we don't know how to deal with feeling vulnerable and exposed, we might lash out at others or compete or try to one-up each other or play stupid king of the hill games because we don't know how to feel vulnerable. It's a long story, and there is a book in process uh, from me on Eris uh, called Eris. The subtitle is Pushing Buttons and Lighting Fires. The idea being pushing buttons is, you know, if, if you trigger me, even if inadvertently, and I'm feeling that pain, if I then trigger you in response, I'm trying to compete or I'm trying to change the subject so you feel bad, so I can take the focus off of how I feel. People really don't, uh, if you know this term schadenfreude, taking it from German, taking joy in others' pain, people really don't want to do that. And, and you'll say, oh, but I remember all these people in my life who did want, obviously wanted. People in their hearts, they don't want to do that but they don't know how to feel vulnerable. They don't know how to be okay with feeling small because vulnerable seems to be small, seems to imply that you are less than or you are weak or something like that. Think about all the culturally ingrained patriarchal shit about men and emotions and women and emotions. It's okay, patriarchy says, if women cry because they just can't control themselves. But men... You know, you got to buck up and whatever, bring home the bacon and make sure that, you know, never let them see you sweat, whatever. All that kind of shit is era stuff that, that's, uh, you know, that's pounded into us through through patriarchal culture. And the more you listen to me, the more you'll hear as I talk about certain myths, uh, most notably Lucifer, Lilith, Adam, Eve, Eris, and some others, and Chiron even, the more you'll hear me talking about patriarchal conditioning and you'll say, but it's 2017. We're not uh, subject to those... That that you know those sets of idiocy anymore, but but we really are we're we're, we're you know enculturated over thousands of years, and so even if we live in resistance to those things, we're still shaped by them. So I still talk about them all the time. So Eris conjunct the South Node in the seventh says, "I'm born into my soul has me born into a family where you have to tiptoe around someone's you know anger, uh, insecurity, uh, frustration, bitterness." rage, um, backstabbing, uh, competition, you know, you have to bat, you have to tiptoe around somebody to make sure you don't trigger them into anger. Okay. I don't know anything about his family life. I'm just saying this is what it can mean on the South note, right? The point being in a bunch of lives, he responds to stuff around him. He responds to other people, South note in the seventh. And the thing is, he has to put himself first, all this first house Libra stuff surrounding the North Node. He has to. You know, that sun is there, and the first house on the North Node says, in my family's over a bunch of lives, nobody taught me how to have a healthy sense of ego. So in three in three levels, sun's in the first house. He's He's got a loud ego, right? But sun's with Pluto. So ego's got some wounding crap associated with it. And in some lives, he may feel punished or singled out and made wrong, for having an ego, right? But then all these things are on the North Node, 
which says that nobody in, in a bunch of lives has ever taught me how to do this. Okay. Uh, I am skipping. Mm, nah, it's pertinent. I gotta bring it in. Uh, I was was skipping a couple things. Uh, one is the squares from the tenth house to the north node. Um, and uh, Jupiter at six degrees, which is about nine degrees from the nodes, so we count it. And if you're gonna, you know, do this attempt to a uh, you know, endeavor to do this astrology the way that I do it, or even study with me as I am now developing more classes and ways of doing that. Uh, I want you to get used to seeing 10 degrees. You know, six cancer is nine degrees squaring 15 Aries, just to get used to that visual and that, that understanding that those, uh, you know, mathematical relationships. Jupiter and cancer in the 10th uh, square the nodes. A square to the nodes says that I might take a lot of risks and I also need to know what I should believe in. I might underestimate myself, I might overestimate myself, I might overestimate my value or my abilities or underestimate them. So we have a, taking a risk and here we have it in Cancer in the 10th house. You know there's a thing about being attached to how other people see you and you expand through receiving cancer, Cancerian feedback from a public. So his reputation is really important to him. Uh, at the same time, he's going to take risks about revealing things in public, 10th house, Jupiter in the 10th, and because it's square the nodes, there's an unresolved issue. He might not really get the right way to do it. The way I work with squares the nodes, I say they're unresolved issues. I strongly encourage you not to go down the road of missed step or skipped step, which is what all other evolutionary astrologers would do, one or, one or the other or both kind of label. The idea is not that you missed it, not that it skipped, it's that you keep doing it in a boneheaded way. <laughs> you know four or five out of the seven, eight, or ten key things to know to be successful. And so you rely on habit patterns. And this comes from channeling from the Ascended Master I work with. So, And this is tried and true. This is I've, I've used this in many, many charts over the years. Uh, you know certain things about it, but you rely on habits and therefore keep recreating the same mistakes or same missteps. Well, I don't want to use that word. The same um, uh, putting your foot in your mouth, tripping over your shoelaces, hitting your, your thumb with the hammer, that kind of thing. And then you feel like, oh... Why did that happen again? What's wrong with me? Well, you're relying on habit. So the remedy for a square, square to the nodes is to, to look at your assumptions and your knee-jerk reactions and make new choices. So Jupiter is, who am I in public? Who am I to a community? How much do I care, Jupiter and Cancer? How much am I uh, attached to my reputation? Nessus is also here at 10 degrees Cancer. Nessus is about living in two worlds. And we live in polite society. This is my phrase for it. I know other astrologers are working with different key phrase ideas. Um, and you should learn all of, the, all of what we're saying. Uh, my particular approach is living in two worlds. We're animals. But we live in polite society, and we're maybe not supposed to be animals. So um, this is wrapped up in his reputation. Does he totally control his public image? Or does he say in an interview... Something like, my dick is a white supremacist. Like, what? What are you talking? You know, does he say, you know, things that reveal uh, animal urgency or, you know, biological imperatives as part of Nessus? So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot more on Nessus, and there's actually a book in progress on, <laughs> on that, too. Uh, but anyway, this idea of living in two worlds, how do we deal with that? Some of the other themes with Nessus that I, that I work out as far as archetypal threads to really understand include carrying others or ferrying others, um, purporting to be respectable, but not really being respectable, um, wanting, like agreeing to do a job, and then wanting more payment after, during or after, basically trying to change the contract. There's also a need with Nessus to leave a legacy. There's this thing in Nessus' story about the power of biological materials. And uh, it's, a, it's a really juicy story, if I may say that. Um, but between, like, Nessus's blood and his semen, um, there's a story in there about the power of biologics, power of biological materials. So anyway, um, control over... His, his reputation is important to him karmically. And he's going to do and say things at different times that mess it up 
because he might, for one reason or another, decide he can't control himself, right? And that's what we saw in those interviews. And then he spent six or seven years working on that, you know, in self-reflection and really trying to process what had happened. The other square to the nodes, and I'm going to count it, it's 10 degrees and two minutes. So like I said, I'll count up to 10 degrees, but this is so close. You know, if I were doing a reading for the guy, I would say, look, this might be relevant for you. It's outside my, my mathematical thing, you know, my limits, but it might, and that's Mars. Mars is actually the south node ruler. And uh, <clears throat> south node is in Aries. It's ruler by sign is Mars. And so that tells me about his role in many lives. Everything I've talked about so far with the south node and its square there uh, is about his... Um, family karma that he shares with his family, like beliefs and themes that people in the family are working through. It's his karma, but they're, they've agreed to provide an incubator, and they have some similar themes they're working on. Um, so South Node Ruler Square of the Nodes says, I am actually creating a problem. And again, it's cancer in the 10th house. So he has a double statement here of being attached to how he appears in public. And when he, if and when he messes it up and says the things like, you know, talking about, you know, in a really kind of um, overly aggressive machismo way, talking about sex with an ex-girlfriend, and he says it, you know, in a, in a in an interview that's going to go international. Like, like when you do stuff like that, like if you mess it up, uh, you know, you're the one to blame. So sometimes South Node rulers square the nodes, I take this from my teacher Steve Forrest, is you can be your own worst enemy. You are square the people and places you come from. You're doing something that is grating or against the grain that gets you in trouble. And and so South Node Ruler Square, the nodes, is uh, is that signature of uh, I'm my own worst enemy. Okay, now one more thing with the square to the nodes. So backtrack to step number three here, or step number two with the South Node. Is Eros, Asteroid Eros, number... Uh, 433, and that's at the 10 Capricorn in the fourth house. Now that's square Pluto, and it's square the notes. So again, an, missed, uh, an unresolved issue, a missed opportunity, I was going to say, an unresolved issue. Eros is about creative passion. The fourth house is your inner foundation, and uh, Capricorn is about realism. So he has to actually get to the bottom of what really makes him tick, and what drives him to Pluto in the first say something disgusting, <laughs> you know, or what would drive him to South London Aries in the seventh, not live his life because he's putting out fires for others or rescuing, you know, kittens out of trees in the form of family members who need assistance, whatever, rescuing. So he's got to get to the bottom of what makes him tick and what passion is all about. So, so that's a, that's a big deal here. And that at square Pluto says, if he goes, you know, down into the fourth house, he's going to have first house friction. So if he goes in the fourth house and says, what really makes me tick? He might have a problem expressing himself. If he goes in the first house and says, I have to express myself, but he's not digging down under the surface to find out what's really true, then he might say things that aren't authentic. He might say things from an ungrounded place. Capricorn in the fourth is, the fourth is about deep grounding and really getting clear about what's going on. So there's just a setup there of if I'm really honest about my sexuality in an outward way, I might be following a sense of, you know, physical or biochemical urgency that might not reflect what's really going on. It might just be I need to blow off some steam. Pluto in the first, conjunct sun. I might just need to blow off steam. Okay, so... Um, then we move on to that uh, south node ruler, Mars, as a third step of the story. So he shows up. He's coming from these Aries, seventh house people, wrapped up with Eris. Strife, discord, you know, tiptoeing around each other's minefields, etc. He is a tenth house cancer figure. So he's going to speak to people. He's going to reach people's hearts. He's going to have some connection to a community or something. Um, and again, that, that Mars is square the sun. So there's, you know, potential conflicts with with uh, power, powerful people. And it's a real need to develop the right kind of ego. And it's another way of looking at um, the need to blow off steam. I might be hasty in my self-expression. I might perceive I need to defend myself against something, or I might stifle the truth about who I am, and then ha it comes out in an unregulated, ungrounded way that is going to embarrass me. 
So I think he, I'm just saying to you, he has different lifetimes of feeling very embarrassed over things he does because he didn't think first. That's part of his karmic journey here. Okay, so that's just the kind of karmic thing. I want to wrap it up by saying um, it's super important to understand that all Pluto, Pluto, uh, Pluto things in your chart say I have to make peace with my shadow. What that means is I have to deal with what I don't like about myself, what I don't understand, what scares me about myself, what seems to be so depressed or angry, or bitter, or vengeful, or whatever intense, ugly emotion, right? Grieving, um, jealous. I have to learn to deal with that. I have to look at that. Well, looking at that means feeling it. And Pluto as an outer planet, you don't spend a day feeling it, and then you understand everything about it. You have to go through months and years to really get it. So now, okay, one more thing before we shift into the transits, because this story is really about the transits building on what I just told you. This is a long MP3. This is <laughs> Anyway, uh, I won't apologize to you, but I'll apologize to me for all the things that I have to do today. Um, you have to go through a self-reflective process. You have to look at what you don't like about yourself. What embarrassment, what shame, what guilt do you potentially carry? How can you understand having been the person who made the choice that generated it? How can you make peace with these shadow parts that burst out onto the scene and ruin something for you or, or bring you shame or change your reputation or limit your opportunities in the world? It's possible that some people might have not wanted to work with him because of those things he said, even if he apologizes now. It's possible. Certain things, when you hurt people, you sometimes can't undo them or make them go away. So with Pluto in the first, on the north node, this is what John Mayer is learning. I'm going to bust out, and I'm going to say what I really think, but it's really a shadow shouting from the depths. I'm angry, I'm sarcastic, I'm depressed, I'm grieving, I'm confused, I'm afraid of myself or other things, uh, I'm afraid of what I might do, and so just, you know, whatever. The outburst happens. The thing, you know, he says the thing that's damaging, right? Then he has to deal with how it affects other people. He has to feel that other people feel pained in response, and that's the learning with Pluto on the Libra first house north node. Instead of pussyfooting around everybody else and their problems and rescuing people and always making sure you don't trigger somebody else's problems, Eris on the Aries seventh house south node, you have to be in charge of your life. You have to learn, in essence, this is the core of it, you have to learn to take responsibility for what happens when you express yourself. Pluto Mercury Sun on the Libra North Node. You have to take responsibility for how it affects other people. It doesn't mean you should be guilty or feel shame. It means that you have to learn that you have an effect on others because you are, and here is the real headline here, you are learning with Pluto on the North Node in the first how to be responsible for your behavior, how to understand you are making a difference in the world. With the Aries South Node in the seventh, He's making a difference with other people in some way at different points in his life. South node ruler Mars in the 10th house in Cancer, he's making a difference in the world. But what does he want his life to look like? Pluto in the first house. North node in the first house. He hasn't steered the ship of his life. He's been there for a community. He's been what they wanted him to be. He's received their projections, and they say, we need a, f a 40th album. And he says, an 85-year-old John Mayer in some life says, Oh, yeah, I'll get you the album. You know, like he's being there. He's he's being available to a community in some way. Um, but he might really need to say, my dick is a white supremacist or something. I don't know. Here, I have to go back to this article. Hold on. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, and this thing is from Flavor Wire. It says, uh, we di we'll diagnose his problem as a lack of internal filter. <laughs> um... Anyway, it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff. Anyway, I don't want to I don't want to get into that, but it's just really funny. Um, oh, he says my biggest dream is to write pornography. I've written pornography. It's fun, but then you can call it erotica, and it doesn't get the. Um, anyway, he'll learn that too. Um, okay, so 
with the, the Pluto and the first in Libra, you, you get to take responsibility and learn how to, you know, learn the fact that you're affecting others. To be an agent of change is the Pluto mission for every person. So through my, through asserting who I am, I get to learn more about what relationships are really about. Libra first house Pluto on the north node. Okay, now these transits, at the time, and, I drew, and again, I drew up the transits for this chart for February 10th, 2010. Pluto is at this point recently, for the last the previous couple of years, dancing around his IC, the bottom of the chart, the beginning of the fourth house. When that happens, you go inward. You find out what really makes you tick. Stuff from your psychic basement comes up, and some of it is really scary. Some of it is horrible. Some of it you do not want to be with, but you have to be with it. So he created this public shame, retreated, and is with had to be with those things for several years, and that's totally normal. So that Pluto transit is a big deal. Um, the other transit is Saturn recently having, at this point, gone over his ascendant. First is Venus at 29 Virgo, then his ascendant at Two, about two and a half Libra, then it's stationed in his first house, and now it's retrograding back toward the ascendant on February 10th, 2010. And that is a reality check about your expression, about your style, your body, your health, you know, how you show up. Because of the intensely loaded nature of his first house on the, from the karmic angle, the multi-life uh, angle, Saturn hitting the ascendant is a huge deal because then over the next couple of years, it's going to pass over all those first house planets, right? And he's going to have to take a long, hard look and at himself, Saturn reality check. And uh, there's a sense of renewal when Saturn crosses your ascendant every 29 and a half-ish years because you have a sense of needing to assert who you are, but you have to grow up and do it for the right reasons in the right way. When Saturn hits your ascendant, if you're having a temper tantrum, you're doing it wrong. You're not being an authority figure. You're rebelling or reacting in an angry, scared, pained way against what you perceive as the authority or authority figure in your life. What structure dominates your life that you feel a victim of? So Saturn coming to your ascendant requires that you step up and say, what am I doing? <laughs> Is this the direction of my life? Do I need to grow up here? These kinds of questions. So that is, uh, that's a big deal here. Um, yeah, let me just take a look here at the other things here. Yeah, and another layer of this, you know, I'm kind of debating, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, another layer of this situation is the progressed moon and Aquarius in the fifth house. Uh, at this time, it's about 23 degrees not that far from his natal asteroid Persephone, which is asteroid 399, which is at 26 Aquarius in the 5th house in its retrograde. Persephone is needing to abduct yourself into a mature expression of something. And the 5th house is creative expression, but it's also um, having an opinion and having a voice and, and expressing that solar archetype through different parts, particular parts of life. So we already know that sun for him is conjunct the north node, which says nobody ever taught me how to do the sun. And this asteroid that says I need to grow up is in the fifth house, in Aquarius. I'm a little disconnected, maybe. So progressed moon is there at this time, and he needs to figure out what he's using his voice for. And if you heard somebody say all the things that he said, you might think, a man, if you heard a man say that, you might think, Oh, yeah, it sounds like a, a, a 13 or 14-year-old is trying to prove how worthy he is, how worldly he is, right? How many, um, you know, how many women he's had, all these kind of things about trying to prove something, right? Uh, you might think that. Well, the progressed moon is there. He needs to figure out what's the mature expression, what's the, what's the way to go. And also transiting Chiron and Neptune. And when those happen, transiting, I mean, right now, they were conjunct then. They're not conjunct now. Uh, seven years later. But um, Neptune can make you have no filter. And Chiron can also do that. And there, there is a thing about, 
you might go with the flow and find yourself revealing very embarrassing things. And so this kind of confluence of those two, you know, those uh, two planets in transit and that progressed moon being there um, is going to light up, you know, something about his expression, just like the Saturn on the Ascendant, activating that first house stuff. Oh, suddenly this stuff has to come out, but it might not be considered. And remember the karmic thing about Jupiter Nessus and Cancer in the 10th square of the nodes it might be unchecked. He might over, you know, embellish something. He might over-assert something because of a repressed emotion. Uh, those things being square Pluto as well. So there are uh, always going to be many other things uh, in a chart to look at. I just kind of plucked some things. And now I'm going to change the transits uh, to... Uh, the end of March, I'm just going to pick March 23rd, that was a date on one of the articles of 2017. So I'm updating the transits and progressions here, and we can, um, and we can take a look. Um, one of the things that's happening, uh, transiting Jupiter in the first house, which always, transiting Jupiter, like when Saturn, I said, goes over the ascendant, you have to check what you're doing. Say, am I realistic? Am I grounded? Am I mature? Where's my life headed? What am I doing here? Why am I doing it? Is it worth doing? Uh, in contrast, when Jupiter crosses your ascendant, you're supposed to believe in yourself more. You're supposed to take more risks. So here he is coming back while Jupiter passes over these karmic these karmic indicators in his chart: the Pluto, you know, Vesta, Pluto, North Node, Mercury, Sun, Pallas. Uh, Jupiter stationed in early February of 2017, just two months ago, uh, between it was at 23 Libra, between Sun and Pallas Athene. So that's a huge deal. And at this point, uh, the end of March, it's about 20 degrees and change. So it's still an orb of that, really close to the Mercury too. So he's supposed to look at, you know, in what way he underestimates or overestimates himself, right? Here's the Jupiter in transit question. And because he has that karmic thing about simultaneously underestimating something about himself and overestimating something about himself, perhaps with the need to prove something, perhaps with the need, you know, the deep need to assert himself that's so deeply buried that he might overdo it. Jupiter passing over this says, wait a minute, you know, what, what have I been doing with this energy? What's the right way to do it? Jupiter says get bigger, but it also says do it in the right way for the right reason. Jupiter is, you know, in the uh, Jyotish tradition, uh, is guru, teacher. J you know, Jupiter inspires you, to, draws you into lessons to expand and grow. Not the kind of limitation lessons of Saturn, but the, um, but the other kind, you know, where you expand and it's a teacher. Higher wisdom with Jupiter. Um, now, at this point, after this introspection of Pluto transiting that south, that, that IC, and Saturn transiting essentially the whole first quadrant, over the intervening years. Right now, Saturn is stationed, you know, just around the galactic center, and right now it's about 27 degrees of Sagittarius, 26. Uh, it is not that far, and it will, over the next year, cross his IC. So first house, and he has a strong natal first house quadrant, with the first quadrant, the uh, first, second, and third houses together. And um, over this time, Saturn has been transiting over there, saying, reality check, Vesta Pluto, what really matters to you? What are you doing? What do you, you know, get to know your shadows. Do psychotherapy or, or talk through your problems. Really plumb the depths of your psychology and your emotional, psychological landscape. And then Saturn over the North Node, what are you doing here? Who are you? You know, uh, Saturn over Mercury, Sun, Pallas, what are you saying? What are you not saying? What's worth saying? You know, this whole, like, reality check in the intervening seven years, Saturn crossing through this first, this first quadrant of his natal chart. Um, and because if he's done the work effectively, if it's true that he's more grounded and clear and he understands himself better because of the Saturn through, you know, Saturn over the ascendant, et cetera, and over Pluto, and then the Pluto transit through the fourth house, and it's about halfway through now, but if he did that work, now that Saturn gets down there, he can strengthen his foundation in a clear, logical, you know, grounded way reality check about more about what makes him tick, but less about facing the fear and more about creating long-term structures in order to keep himself on track for where he wants to go, Saturn crossing the IC. It does, all fourth house transits ask you to deal with your family history and, you know, how you've been shaped to deal with um, your emotions, your inner world, as well as the, the, 
the concept of needs. You know, do, do you have needs? Do you have the right to have needs? Who's going to meet your needs? And so Pluto going there first and then Saturn coming there, you know, maybe the Saturn transit won't be as hard, but it will require him to do something that's more quiet. And he has been in that space as he struggled through the uh, inner psychological stuff. But, you know, the Saturn transit down there is a little different. We also now have uh, transiting Uranus and Eris uh, opposing his uh, Mercury, Sun, and Pallas on that north node. So Jupiter's on those things saying, believe in yourself, right? And Uranus and Eris are opposing them saying, uh, really, you know, be aware of what you're doing. <laughs> really be aware of how you might knee-jerk react and get yourself into trouble. And so he's really looking at how he manages his energy, I will wager. He's really looking at how what he says affects other people and how he has to own that. And um, I'm sure there's some embarrassment still and some some shame about that. And that's part of his karmic journey, as I mentioned. And um, and this Uranus Eris opposing that karmic stuff on the North Node, you know, is just another layer of that. Let me check what's going on. Let me make sure I'm doing things in the right way for the right reasons. Yeah, so that that is it. Uh, I, I, you know, before I, you know, I, I know just as much about this guy, uh, this guy's life as I did when I started this recording 46 minutes ago, but uh, I think it's super important to understand the way people are wired. So, you know, if you're doing counseling astrology, you're dealing with a friend or a family member, or you're looking at your own chart, you can understand this field of potentials of behavior and choices and manifestations based in the beliefs that accumulate over time about who you are and who you aren't and what you get to do and what you don't get to do. Um, I think it's so important to understand all of that stuff in, you know, in a very deep way that's multidimensional. You know, understanding, for example, with Pluto natally in the first house on the North Node, that in order to do Pluto, in order to steer the ship of his life and follow his passion, he has to, um, you know, break away from the people who are relying on him, seventh house South Node. You know, to understand, you know, in some lives he'll do it and it sucks because you don't want to feel like you're on your own. And some lives you won't do it because you don't want to abandon people, but then it sucks because you can't live your life. You know, you know understanding these multidimensional, these, these simultaneous things that are happening, the good and the bad, the yes, the no, I did it, I didn't do it, uh, I believed I had faith, I didn't have faith, all those things simultaneously, when you understand that landscape of doing this kind of uh, evolutionary astrology that I teach, then when somebody says to you, oh yeah, and then in some interview I started, I was talking about my ex-girlfriend and her vagina and whatever. You know, when he starts saying stuff like that, you're not surprised. Because you understand, this chart says, sometimes I just need to make some noise. And so just to wrap this up, I want to just mention, you know, that I called it an outburst earlier. And, and it might not, that's not, that might not be the right characterization to call it. To anyone else who wouldn't say those things. To any and and who would follow his music career and thought he was you know the bee's knees or whatever, that might seem like an outburst, but realize that there are there are Plutonian truths in a bunch of lives he can't say. So in a bunch of lives he might never feel like there's any space for him to talk about who he is sexually, for example. He might never you know feel that he has freedom because of his position in the world or the way that others relate to him and what he feels like he owes others, the south node and the seventh and, you know, the stuff in Cancer square that south node in the tenth. Uh, he might never, for example, feel like he has the freedom to use slang words for genitals or for copulation. You know, this, to you and me, this might sound like um, it's just gratuitous and ridiculous, but for some people with... <laughs> Pluto, Mercury, Sun on the North Node in the first house might not have gotten to explore sexuality, let alone talk about it. So, um, anyway, um, in the first house, when you have karmic indicators here, you have to own the power of choice, and then, especially with Pluto here, like yourself for what you choose, and overcome guilt, shame, regret, and self-doubt, and all that stuff. And this whole ordeal that he's, you know, created for himself and then suffered through and now seems to be saying he's out of, this is all part of his karmic growth, his soul, as John Mayer, a soul, by the way, that's just like yours and just like mine. You might not have this 
karmic in you know injunction against you know using slang terms for genitalia <laughs> you might not have that feeling that that creates shame you might not have that i don't i i use words all the time i have lived with conjunct my mercury so all words are awesome to me and i love even i love especially words that trigger other people because a word is just a word and if you feel threatened by words, you're you're not reflecting my value. You're reflecting your fear and the cultural conditioning you've absorbed. But anyway, he, you know, to say those things publicly affects his reputation. It's a big deal for him. And it might be empowering for him to say things that you and I think are nasty and then deal with the fact that it affects other people and then realize, wait, 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 okay, I'm making these choices. How can I become empowered through making these choices. Okay, well, what does a choice mean? Well, what choice can I make today? Okay, let me, you know, that's the process. You say something that you either don't mean or you mean but regret, and then you deal with shame, and then you evaluate that, and that's where he's been for six or seven years. So, all right. Thanks for your time and energy. This is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com. And as I said, the class in which I'll teach you these basics of how to do the four-step process I, I looked at here today, even though today I did it out of order, Mercury's retrograde, it's okay, uh, uh, Evolutionary Astrology Basics, uh, the, the April one that begins on the 22nd that you may have seen advertised uh, in different places is full. But keep your eye open for another one starting in June, and you can email me, tom at tdjacobs.com, expressing interest, and I'll make sure that you are on the first list who has the opportunity to register. Like if you find out this is closed and you're like, dag nabbit, email me, and I'll make sure you're one of the first ones to find out about the next one. So all that's at tdjacobs.com. Uh, take care of yourself. Be well. Be well.